What's up, you guys? Welcome back to The Common Thread. My guest today, Justin Crossergree, is a great friend of mine. Um, he is a transformational coach, and uh, we actually worked shoulder to shoulder with one another uh, coaching clients, particularly in the health space. Um, but Justin has an incredible story. He's uh, really good at what he does, and I'm just really excited to hear more about more about that today. So without, uh, without any further introduction, I'd like to introduce to you guys, Justin Crossgree. Justin, Yo. what's up, buddy? What's up, man? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. You know, I know we've been we've been talking about doing this for some time and have some great conversations between us. So I'm excited to uh, let others hear. Likewise, man. And why don't you for the people listening? Where are you? Uh, where are you filming from today? Where are you coming from? Yeah. So uh, I have the pleasure of filming right now from Hawaii, Maui. Um, you know, so I'm looking out at uh, the ocean right now. A couple palm trees. Nice. And uh, it's it's beautiful. You know. Cool, I, cool. I am uh, I am quarantined at the moment, you know. Um, I'm sure we can get into it, but that's just a, a funny thing that happened, and um, and not getting the uh, the appropriate place to take my test. So I get to be um, in this this villa by myself, and um, you know, happy to be working on things, and uh, yeah. like to to make sure it's happening for me. So uh, we can dive into that a little bit too. Um, but yeah, bro. sure. Not a bad place to be quarantined, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right? So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be here. Um, even in quarantine, you know, I'm not too too upset with the view. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, I want to just jump right into it today, man, because uh, I've known again as I as I introduced you, I've known you for coming up on probably three or four years now. Um, ultimately, through I think we first met in in training rooms uh, yeah. transformation down here in San Diego. And it's been really cool to witness you um, blossom and uh, really just develop into the man that you are today. I, I've been able to witness your growth, um, and I think a big a big part of that is you are so heavily involved in in personal development, always looking to take yourself on. So, uh, just genuinely curious because I, I personally don't know too much about your backstory, but what what got you into coaching today and, and into this field? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's been a wild ride to say the very least. Um, and it's so interesting, um, you know. One of the one of my favorite quotes from uh, Steve Jobs is, "You can't connect the dots looking forward; you can only connect them looking back." Right. So mm. uh, to kind of so true, yeah. So to start, you know, um, to know where someone is, you really get to understand where they came from, right? So um, I was raised by a single mother um, myself, and then I have a, a sister and a brother. All three of us have different dads. My mother was undiagnosed bipolar until I was about 20-ish. Wow. And then she was finally diagnosed. Um, so uh, incredibly loving. Like, oh my gosh, she would smother me with love. But um, it, it took me until I was about 20 to realize how um, how mental illness really affects people. You know, I didn't want to believe it just because yeah. she's my mother, you know. Um, sure. so it wasn't really apparent to me growing up, but, you know, with living with her, I saw a lot of, uh, drug use, you know, she was an alcoholic, um, very promiscuous with men. Um, my father, you know, where our relationship is better now for sure. But, uh, at the very beginning it was, you know, birthdays, Christmas, Hey, how you doing? You know, a couple times a year, just via phone call. And, um, you know, growing up with my mother, it was, it was not easy. Um, because with bipolar, right, someone can be extremely loving, hugging, caring, et cetera, and in a matter of a second snap and go into 
you know, abuse and right, right. just, you know, yelling and screaming. And so there was a lot of that. And, um, you know, she was always a bartender. That was her thing and hairdresser. So, but very on and off with jobs. So, you know, we lived in Bullhead City, Arizona. Uh, and that was like a, a, one of the main places where I grew up and then also Catalina Island. So it was, I was always around that scene and those types of people, right. Drinking in the bar, alcohol. I remember many times my mother would say, Hey, take your brother and sister upstairs. Uh, we're going to get high, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, multiple times with our electricity going out or water, you know, um, it's, it's interesting that I'm in health now and that's how we work together. Right. Because growing up with my mother, not having a lot of money for food, I mean, I was a sugar addict, dude. I would have like sugar cubes, powdered sugar, brown sugar, any kind of sugar <laughs> put it in me, you know, hamburger helper. Um, yeah, incredibly, all the essentials. All yeah. the essentials, incredibly poor diet. I remember one time open up yeah. the freezer, multiple times actually open up the freezer and gnats in there, just unhealthy food, right? And when you combine yeah. that with um, a stressful environment when you're growing up, right. has a, a massive impact on your gut microbiome. So um kind of get a little off subject, but that's essentially where I grew up for the first uh, 11 years of my life. And, um, you know, my brother or my sister rather is five years younger than me. And then my brother, 10 years. So, um, with my mother kind of really being on and off, you know, on average, I missed about anywhere from 25 to 35 days of school, um, from kindergarten up until fourth grade, um, going through the, the foster care system once, you know, because my mother didn't pick us up for school, uh, after like three or four times, they finally said, okay, we need to do something about this. And just seeing what we we're wearing, our clothes, not really being clean and, you know, sometimes bruises, that kind of stuff. And right, right. Um, there was a, there was a time where my mother was gone for, uh, about a weekend. Um, and my brother was a, a newborn baby. My sister, uh, I mean, I was 11 at the time. So my sister was six years old and I was essentially the father figure, right? Because men and men were in and out of the the household. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and always cops coming over for domestic violence and that kind of stuff, you know, just fist fights with, with boyfriends and stuff. And, um, she was gone for a weekend. I went to my, you know, piggy bank, grabbed a couple quarters. My grandmother is an amazing, amazing human being, my mother's mom. And she would come out, you know, consistently, like almost once a month, if not you know, multiple times a month to just get us out of there, right? Get us out of that environment um, and let us be kids. And, uh, you know, after my mom was gone for a weekend, I, I, I knew this had to change, right? I couldn't let, I couldn't right. allow my brother and my sister and myself to go through this. And so I called her, let her know what was going on. And uh, I was going to a year round school at the time. So we'd have like a month off for breaks and we'd always go to Southern California, um, to go visit my grandmother and stay there. And it was awesome. It was like, my grandmother just let me be a kid. And I didn't yeah. get to have that when I was with my mom, I was the father figure. I was the adult. Sure. And, um, so I was out there visiting my grandmother and, um, my aunt, my, my mom's sister was, uh, visiting with my cousins. And every time my aunt and uncle came, like I remember seeing their minivan coming up the hill, I would just get so excited because, they were fun. They were yeah. family, right? And my uncle is an amazing human being, my aunt as well. And he is uh, a human playground. You know, I remember we'd always jump on top <laughs> of him. And he'd be like ripping off his his work shirt and the buttons would be flying off. And it was just always a good time, right? And I didn't have that when I lived with my mother. It was actually the complete opposite. So we were there and we're sitting at a kitchen table. Um, and I was really just kind of sharing things that were going on in, in my life and for my sister and for my brother and the abuse that was going on and 
the school that we were missing, my grades were terrible F's and D's just because I wasn't at school. Right. Um, and so we're sitting at the table and, um, just sharing what was going on. And my aunt's like, well, you know, you can come live with us. Your sister can go live with her dad and your brother can live with his dad. And, um, it's kind of crazy to look back now at the age of 11. Like I had this you know, innate ability to, to think this, but I was like, no, either we stay together with my mom or we stay together with someone else, but I'm not separating my brother and my sister Right, without without hesitation. Like it gives me chills right now. My aunt said, would you want to all live with us? And my aunt and uncle already had three kids of their own living in Southern Orange County. You know, their family was good. And for her without hesitation, without, let me double check and make sure it's okay with my husband. She looked at me and, and offered her home to us. Um, so we didn't end up going back to, it was actually just my, um, myself and my sister visiting my, my grandmother, my little brother who was still a baby was out in Arizona with my mother. Um, he obviously wasn't on break from school. He wasn't going to school, but, uh, so it was just us two. We didn't go back to Arizona. I didn't get to tell any of my friends that I was with that I was moving or anything like that. It was like, I'm at grandmother's and I'm moving to, you know, Southern Orange County. So I went from, a home with domestic violence, drugs, alcohol, um, all these different, you know, things that really shouldn't happen to a child, but, um, to living in Southern Orange County where Kobe Bryant was looking at a house, like, you know, a mile down the road. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, kids are driving Mercedes BMWs to high school, you know, gated community. So I've been very blessed to see both sides, right? Sure. What it was like to have a mother with, with nothing, but all the time, right. She had all the time cause she wasn't working. Yeah. Um, and then I saw, you know, living with my aunt and uncle, when you, you put in the work, you, you do the difficult things, you make the sacrifices and you have a life that you enjoy living. Right. And so, um, when I was 11, moved in with them and, uh, it was interesting, you know, coming from a place in Arizona, um, where there wasn't really like people were just driving, you know, it's, it's, it's average place, Bullhead city. I love it. It's right on the river. It's really cool. But, um, going from there to Southern orange County, I'm around kids whose parents are multimillionaires. Right. And they've all been friends since, you know, kindergarten. So me in fifth grade trying to get along with these kids was to be honest, like difficult for me. And that's when it really, I started becoming someone different than me because I thought I had to relate to them. And, um, it was great. Loved spending time with them. And that's where I learned how to play sports. You know, I really only played soccer with my mom and I got into basketball and football and BMX and hanging out with all my friends. And, um, it was great. And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I ended up going throughout high school, played three sports in high school, had great friends, uh, a great relationship with a girlfriend in high school. And then I went to college and, um, it was about freshman year of high school. I really started wearing more masks. And what I mean by, my, by masks is I started not acting as my true authentic self, right? I wanted mm-hmm. to act as if I was yeah. someone else so that I can be accepted. And over time, the, the mask and the layer got deeper and deeper and, and yep. it became less me, right? And so right, right. college, you, I didn't- You start burying, burying your authentic self with all these stage characters or masks that we, that we put up. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I got to college, um, you know, that's where I, I really started dealing with the issues um, mm-hmm. that I had from my yeah. upbringing 
but not in a healthy way. You know, I yeah, started getting I, I was going to ask you about that too, which yeah. I knew you were going to get to, but um, something that, just to interject briefly here, because uh, as you're telling this story, I see, you know, I see that you you went through these traumatic things as a child, right? For you to, to, to go, even just let alone of moving from one place to another, you know, dealing with different changes of uh, guardians. I mean, on a developing young child, that has an effect, an, an astronomical effect, whether we, we see it or not. And yeah. I think people people really have a, have myself included, have a tendency to minimize the effect that those things have, right? Well, it wasn't a big deal. You know, it didn't have an effect on me. But as you're saying that, I'm thinking, all right, this, had an, this obviously is going to have an effect on, on Justin. The question is, when does it start to show itself, you know, rear its ugly head and, and how does he deal with it? So um, anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear. I love that, man. You're, you're yeah. telling my story. You're getting to the, uh, the climax, right? So um, that's really where it was. Because yeah, that those first eight years, you know, from zero to eight are so crucial for the development of children, right? And yeah. we don't realize that's where we really come up with our beliefs and our ideas and yep. why we act or we retract, retract. And so when I got to college, you know, it was uh, a lot of drinking, like consistent blackouts to where I, I wouldn't remember the night before, um, mm-hmm. smoking weed every single day, multiple times throughout the day. Um, you know, other drugs too. And just, I had a great time and enjoyed myself with my friends. But what I realized now, knowing what I know now, I was suppressing these emotions I didn't want to deal with. I didn't want to see. And I was resorting to weed and, and alcohol to, um, to get outside of myself because I was right. so worried about yeah. people seeing my true authentic self. I had to mm-hmm. build, get my own confidence, right? Liquid courage so yeah. that I could, you know, interact with other people. I could talk to women and feel comfortable, but it had the, it didn't work out at all because I didn't know my limit. Right. I didn't realize how much right. pain I had that I was actually pushing down with that. And, um, so when, went through college. It was amazing. Went to NAU. I was snowboarding like three times a week. You know, I set up my schedule so I can go up to the mountain and Flagstaff before school. And, um, I graduated, you know, just barely. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then when I graduated, I, I started getting into the sales world. Um, and I remember actually taking a sales course in, in, uh, college. And I told myself like, that's not for me, whatever I do after college, is not going to be sales. Interestingly enough, that's all I've been, you know, that's all that's pre- presented myself. The mm-hmm. main thing about yeah. sales is, is it truly allows you to develop yourself, right? And you get to get over rejection. You get to learn how to uh, see rejection as something that's working for you. So that's where I started getting into personal development. Um, you know, in college, I, I kind of played around a little bit with some uh, MLM, multi-level marketing companies. It didn't work out. And then I found... Yeah. Um, an amazing direct sales opportunity and, and took it because it was in the health world. I, that's right when I started getting into my health it was actually my senior year of college. There was a, a Whole Foods that opened up right outside my apartment. And that's when I was like, oh, what's this about? What's healthy food? I didn't know nice. there's yeah. difference in foods and drinks and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Um, no more hamburger helper and sugar cubes, right? Yeah. yeah. Over top ramen, right? <laughs> the yeah. College, the yeah college that's ramen real. Stuff. That's real. Yeah. Um, and so I found this amazing health product. It really helped me with some issues I was dealing with, back pain, energy, that kind of stuff. And um, and that's when I had a mentor. I had a, a father figure, even though it was more of like a big brother. I'm the oldest of all my siblings. So it was more of like a big brother who started introducing me into, you know, personal development, you know, Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, mm. Tony Robbins. Yep. 
and not having a father figure in my life, this was like, I have someone I can learn from, you know, my, my uncle, I I will tell you, my uncle is an amazing human being, but to do what he had to do to allow six of us to not only survive, but thrive in Southern Orange County, he was, you know, making things work in the business world, very successful. And, but uh, when he was home and he was present, that's a big part of who I am today as well. Um, And then my aunt, you know, we all played multiple sports growing up. And so she was constantly running us around doing whatever she could, you know, um, for that. So this was an opportunity for me to, to learn from someone outside of myself, how to um, break through limiting beliefs, how to, Mm. you know, get into reading. I didn't read a book cover to cover other than go long, Jerry Rice and uh, wide open German McGrath. Um, those nice. were the only two books I read and <laughs> not bad, not bad books to read for not your first bad two. books. Yeah. Two of my favorite yeah. athletes, you know? Um, and I didn't read, those were the only two books I read in high school and college. Other than that was spark uh-huh. notes, cliff notes, you know, yeah. uh, peer notes. And when I got into personal development, I, I started falling in love with books because someone put all their knowledge that they gained into a couple hundred pages. And rather than taking X amount of time, I can learn something and have lessons and guidance and mentorship in such a short amount of time. And, um, you're, you're able to essentially take somebody's life experience, their wisdom, all their teachings, all the the trials and tribulations and, and ups and downs that they had to go through, consolidate that into a book that you can then take and digest without having to make the same mistakes, without having to go through the years of hardship and, and learning. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's missing when you realize that is in, you know, I don't read too many fiction books. It's mostly nonfiction, um, you know, business or, or personal Mm -hmm. or like, you know, the power and now those types of books, just personal development types of books, which I I probably should get into fiction so I can have a little bit of story time. Uh, the alchemist is a great book that I love because it does have that story. Right. But, um, where was I going with this? I forgot, but, uh, Anyway, about um, about being able to to glean on somebody's life experience through a book, uh, somebody who's successful who's been down the road, and then learning that for, through their whether it's an autobiography or a book that they write. Yeah, and I remember one of the most powerful books. This is where I was going. The mo- one of the most powerful books I read was, and it was one of the first ones, was a compound effect. Darren Hardy, mm, and yep. he talks Great about book. the penny. Would you rather have X? I think it was like three million dollars or a penny that doubles each day for 31 days, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people would choose like the $3 million. But what we don't realize is that penny that doubles each day, that compounds actually becomes a whole lot more. Right. And so when I learned that it was like a light went off in my brain. I started realizing what I put in now, what I do now uh, will help me in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that's powerful. Yeah. It's a powerful shift. And I want to just uh, pause there for a second and ask because you know, you were, you had that, that point in college, which I mean, for, for people in college to drink and to party isn't, isn't very unusual, but it sounded like what you were able to see and kind of bringing it back to your original point of being able to connect the dots, um, in hindsight, right. You were able to see how you were actually a lot of doing a lot of self-medicating and hiding behind these substances, hiding your authentic self. And a lot of those, uh, the childhood traumas and scars were kind of coming up and you were, you were dealing with those in college, which I can definitely relate to with, with, uh, self-medicating, you know, through, through drugs and alcohol. Um, my question is how were you able to get out of that? Was it kind of, did you just kind of, was it a growing phase? You just kind of had your fun, got it out of your system and then you were off. Cause it seems like you, you had a pretty good kind of trajectory, uh, change 
from college to out of college? What was that transition like? Yeah, well, uh, I, that's a great question because I actually didn't get out of it, you know, graduating college. Mm, okay. um, so after I graduated college, I moved back in with my parents in Southern Orange County, broke college kid, you know. And then I was yeah. like, I stayed there for about four or five months, had a job that I didn't really like. And I was like, you know what, I'm going back to Arizona. I moved to um, Tempe, Arizona, so right by ASU. And uh, great group of friends. And also, that's a party area too. And the friends oh, yeah. I had, they were still in college at the time. So me still not dealing with the emotions and the different things I had inside, I was still going out as if I was in college, if not even more now at this time. And, right, um, right. you know, and I'm, I still enjoy my beverages. Like I still drink. It's not something that I've gone away from. Um, but that was another point in my life when I was, uh, I just don't enjoy it to the extent that I used to, right? It's, it's the reason behind it. Um, and as I really what it was, was learning more about my emotions and getting more in tune with myself. It mm. took away that desire to drink and get outside of myself because I didn't need it. Like I didn't really understand that I needed the alcohol to not feel. I needed to sure. numb the pain, right? Yeah. And so the more yeah. I learned about myself and I dealt with the pain, I faced it, yep. right? Which a lot of us don't exactly. want to do because that's, that's the work. Mm -hmm. Um that's when I really started to not need it. I just didn't desire it as much. Yeah. Isn't that funny how like it's, that's where the, the, the true freedom lies. It goes back to that old, you know, that old adage where it's, you know, the, the cave you fear is holds the treasure that you seek, right? It's mm -hmm. the very things that, that we avoid and that we um, run away from are ultimately a lot of times the keys to our freedom, right? So it's, we can make these mountains out of molehills and think that, oh my gosh, it's so scary. And, and really, to be able to just feel that pain, to go through it, to work through it, and then release it. I mean, it's its incredible, man. So, yeah, it's liberating, right? It's yeah. That's the freedom we seek. We think it's in money. Sometimes we think it's in partying right. or yeah. alcohol or a certain stature, right? But how many people do we know that have been successful monetarily and aren't happy, right? Or right. whether it be in fame, you know? Like think of, there's plenty of people, right? Sure. Um, but that's what we seek is that true inner peace. Man, it's so cool too. And I, I'm sure you can speak for this too, but I know for myself, um, cause I, I too have, have come from both places where I've desperately kind of chased after success or money thinking that those things were going to make me happy or maybe even potentially numb some, some underlying pain that I was going through. And for a lot of times they might work for a little bit, but when you get to that point and you realize I've, I've achieved X, Y, and Z, I've checked out the boxes and yet I still feel this, this underlying sense of disease or discomfort or angst. And a lot of times it is those very things that, um, you know, we we try to distract ourselves with these external things from actually taking a step, step, taking a step back and actually having the courage to look within. Right. And it's crazy that in today's day and age, one of the most, scary things for people to do is to put their phone down to turn off the television and to actually sit with themselves quietly. Right. And I'm, I'm speaking for myself too. So I'm not, I'm not casting stones, but, um, the reason why I go on that tangent is because this is something that's been really at coming. I've been personally coming back to is, is doing that work. Cause that work that you described the work, the, uh, the, the growth, it never stops, man. It's always evolving. It's always changing. So, uh, it was really, it's really cool to hear your, your own personal experience with that, man. Yeah. And uh, it's so funny you mentioned that right there, right? Being alone with ourselves and being alone with our thoughts. So, uh, you know, last week was my birthday and I went up to go visit my, nice. my family in Orange County. 
And I was sitting at dinner with my, my aunt and uncle and they're like, Hey, you want to go to Hawaii for, you know, a week? We, you know, a family friend that we know had a, a, a double booked timeshare. And I was like, yeah, like, of course I want to <laughs> go to Hawaii, yeah. you know? Um, um, so I, I book a ticket right there at the table. Um, you know, that was on Saturday and then I had to get here by Wednesday and then I, um, you know, I drive back to San Diego on Sunday. Um, like I said, I don't drink as much as I used to. And I enjoyed my birthday with some friends. And so Sunday was a little bit uh, rough for me. And um, especially <laughs> after, you know, I did the 75 hard a couple of weeks ago. I know we were talking yeah. about that and you just crushed yours. Um, so I, I, you know, one or if I have two drinks, like that's all I need you know? Right. Um, so anyway, Sunday was rough and then Monday getting back into things and trying to get my COVID test done, find a a dog sitter for my dog, all these other kinds of things. Well, I didn't realize that, um, to come to Hawaii right now, given the things that are going on in the world, Mm -hmm. you, you have to have a, uh, COVID test taken from a trusted, um, a trusted testing center. So I just, I didn't see that. I glanced over that and just went and got my COVID test. Mm. I fly here on Wednesday they're checking me in, you know, I didn't have my test at the time and, um, it wasn't complete yet. And they go, Oh, this isn't a trusted source. And I was like, okay, so what's my options? Can I get tested here? Can right. I, you know, can this mm-hmm. be accepted? And they're like, no, you can't get tested here. This can't be accepted. You either fly back home to San Diego and you're not going to get refunded for, you know, hotel and all that kind of stuff, or you stay here and you're in quarantine and you can't go outside your building key code works once, uh, the police can come and check on you, uh, just randomly. And so I was like, you know, I was, I was definitely upset with myself because I missed that detail. Like, and I started thinking of, mm. you know, I just, I just got into the victim mode and that's right, so easy, right? right? That's like yeah. the instant thing sure. that we go into in that victim mode. I was like, I don't want to stay here by myself, just stuck in a room. Like I'm just going to go back home. Yeah. And I called my aunt and she goes, well, it doesn't really change anything. Like you already spent the money. You're, you're going to be in Hawaii. You can, you brought stuff. I brought my, you know, podcast gear to record my, my podcast. I, I brought plenty of stuff to work on for my coaching business. And I mean, yes, I love San Diego, but why not work from Hawaii? Right. And, right. Yeah. and I realized how much that victim mindset was playing into what was me. And then I realized like, wow, you know, I can, I can come here and, I like to come from everything is happening for us, right? As I said earlier, we can't connect the dots looking forward. We can only connect them looking back, as Steve Jobs said. And what I realized was this was an opportunity because just to be, I I love being honest and vulnerable, authentic. I'm I'm willing to share anything. And this past week, I've been going through some some personal things that I hadn't, it was just, I wasn't feeling the way that I had been feeling the previous couple of months. And that's, what's interesting. When you go into the personal development realm, when you start working on yourself, you think like you figure it out once and then you're golden, right? (laughs) No, when you, when you go to the dark side, you're going to continue to grow, continue to grow, continue to grow. And there's going to be ups and downs, right? You know? So, um, I was just having a period of, of, of where I, I felt stuck and I just felt like not me, something's missing, something's wrong. And so what a blessing that life gave me the opportunity to come to Hawaii in a place all by myself, right? No one else is staying at the villa with me. Um, I can't leave. I don't have my, my dog. I have a dog back home and, and that's something, you know, I had to care about. 
Um, I don't have any obligations I have to leave for. And I had to stay in here with yeah. myself. And, right. and to be honest, like today is I, I, I've broken through what was going on. And that was really, I was neglecting my soul, right? I was, I was not doing the things that I love to do. I was focusing on so many mm-hmm. other things, putting other people in front of me and, and not checking in with Justin. Mm. And so now that I had this opportunity to stay here with myself and be with myself, I've been able to, to reflect on that and give myself love, give myself forgiveness for maybe some ways I've been acting. You know, we're, not only are we in relationship with other people, but we're also in relationship with ourselves. But we forget 100%. about that relationship with ourselves, right? And that's why we feel that, that internal discomfort, mm, right? you know? Dude, and uh, ultimately that, that relationship with ourself is, is our most important relationship. Because if we don't have a good relationship with ourselves, that's going to show up in every relationship that we have, right? As we, as you and I both know, again, doing personal development is, is, you know, we're, we're looking into mirrors. Every, every relationship that mm-hmm. we have is a mirror of a relationship with ourselves, and even not even relationships. Something that I notice is like, you know, where, I, where I work, where our office is, you know, there's a, there's a big, probably like there's a big homeless population around here. And, um, you know, to get vulnerable, as you described, um, there's, there's a lot of times where I feel compassionate and there's other times where I just hear that little critic start to whisper in my ear and start to get a little bit judgmental or, you know, pass a little bit of judgment. And I have to really check myself and whether that's at somebody cut me off or somebody at the grocery store, you know, when I'm, when I'm judging myself uh, or when I'm, excuse me, when I'm judging another person, it's, they don't know about it. I'm only hurting myself, right? Because when I'm judging somebody, I'm ultimately in a way I'm judging myself, right? Because we're, we're human beings, we're all connected and we're designed to be in relationship with each other. And when we start to, uh, when we start to judge people and I'm kind of going on a tangent, but keep going, um, I love it. <laughs> we, we ultimately are, are judging ourselves, right? And it goes back to the Bible, right? You know, you, when you get angry at somebody, it's like drinking poison, expecting them to die. And you're the one that's dying. You're the one that's holding on to that anger. So it just goes to show you. And I, I love this topic because, um, it is a constant battle with relationship with ourselves, And even if we're in a quarrel, like for example, I'm, I'm newly married. If I'm in a, a heated argument with my wife and I'm bothered by it, it's because there's something internally that's not sitting right with me, right? It yeah. doesn't matter if it's, if it's her fault or my fault at the end of the day, you know, I got to clean up my side of the street and I got to get right. And mm. I know when I'm, when I have a, a solid founded relationship with not only myself, but ultimately with God and myself, you know, that shows up in every single other relationship that I have. So I, I love that you brought that point up. Mm. Man, did we talk about that with the homeless thing? I don't think so. No. It's, it's, and this is all perfect, right? Um, yeah. Because that was one of the biggest things I was having. You know, I live in San Diego as well, and there's, there is a homeless challenge out there. And so I'll see, you know, at least two or three a day, and they'll be, you know, yelling at, at themselves and uh, trashing where I live, and I'll go pick it up and that kind of stuff. And I found myself in judgment. Where typically before, you know, when I am in a good relationship with myself, I am mm-hmm. compassionate, you know, right. and uh, for anyone that's listening that does know me, this is my typical way of being is compassion, you know, um, but I found myself judging like, and I, I just knew that I was like, where is this coming from? Why am I mm-hmm. like, what is up with you, Justin? Like, why are you judging? Do you know that person's story? Do you know what pain they have? Do you know what they've had to go through? And at the end of the day, I don't. Right. And so to spin that all back to me having that personal time with myself, you know, I also found there's people in my life that I deeply care about that I was judging 
because I was judging myself. It wasn't because mm-hmm. I was judging them. Right. I was judging yep. myself because everyone is a mirror for us. So the little things that I was picking at, like, oh, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. So I don't like that about this yeah. one. It was really me picking at myself. And it yeah. took me coming here, staying with myself to realize that. And uh, man, that's so interesting that we are both having that same same <laughs> challenge. Dude, it's such a great place to come from too, because um, having that level of radical responsibility and radical ownership is, um, and I, I talked about this on a, on a previous podcast, It can it's one of the most liberating and it can be one of the most kind of uh, scary things, especially mm. when it's a new concept, because when you realize I'm responsible for for the the things in my life and how I respond to them, right? And there's a yeah. distinction too, because I think in this, in the personal development space, in the, you know, the the motivational space, you know, people can take it to the extreme and say, oh, I'm responsible for everything. You know, if, if, if somebody gets hit in a drive-by, it's your fault. It's like, well, no, you know, there are things that are out of, out of our control 100%, right? I go back to when I was abused as a child and I, when I was going through therapy, they say it wasn't your fault, but it is your responsibility to deal with it. Mm. Right. So I think there is a distinction between fault and responsibility. And ultimately at the end of the day, it's not our, it's not our job to point fault, but it is our job to take responsibility for how we, how we deal with those things. Totally. And now more than ever, I really do think that there is an epidemic of a few things right now. And I think the, the, the pandemic is probably the least of our concerns with this, with this epidemic. The biggest epidemic is fear and also victimhood. I think we live in a time where victimhood is is uh, is celebrated. Victimhood is championed. People are rooting for the victim. But I think now more than ever, it's important for leaders like you and I and, and people um, and in positions of influence to really bring back what it means to uh, to take responsibility and to be victors rather than victims. Yeah. And the beautiful thing, I love all of that. The beautiful thing, yeah. beautiful thing about taking responsibility or standing in responsibility is that it's you're the only person that can change it, right? So you can control your world. You can control your reality when you stand in that responsibility and that's the beauty in it. Do you get to eat humble pie? Yeah, I eat a lot of humble (laughs) pie, right? So there's, there's things I don't want to stand in responsibility for, but I do because I know when I do, I can move past it and I can learn from it. And it's not, yeah, I love that. A lot of people see responsibility as like a fault, like Mm, it's your fault, right? But when you make the distinction that it's not your fault, it's it's really understanding how can you better yourself so that this doesn't happen, right? Because we are we are source for our world, things that happen in our life, right? So um, I love that, yeah. Responsibility, one hundred percent, man. And um, I just had a thought that lost me too regarding that, but uh, a lot to unpack there. But um, yeah, man. Moving forward, and because I'll probably that thought will probably come back to me. Yeah. Um, fast forward the tape. You know, you you really started to delve into the realm of personal development, into uh, reading these books, having these mentors. Sales. When did coaching come on the map uh, for you? Yeah. So coaching was an interesting thing. You know, growing up, um, I had amazing uncle. Um, it was my dad's brother who was a quadriplegic, and. Oh, wow. um, his name was Uncle John, and this dude was awesome. He was on his way to being a professional motocross rider um, and then got in a car accident and um, ended up being paralyzed from the neck down. And when I was born, you know, he didn't have any kids. He couldn't. But when I was born, I essentially was like his his boy. He taught me how to ride a dirt bike at the age of three. 
you know, I was ra- I was racing little 50 peewee 50s with some of the top riders that um, are now, you know, on riding at stadiums all over. And um, anytime I went to go visit him, I was like riding and he had this really cool van. It was pretty sweet. He had like a, a long van at the end. It had a, a elevator. So I get my little dirt bike and usually the elevator was obviously for his wheelchair. Right. And right. so I get my dirt bike on there. It would be like five o'clock in the morning. We'd be going to the track to go to race day. I get my bike on there and bring it up and then walk <laughs> it in. It was like the coolest thing ever. That's but, awesome. um, I remember having that uncle and I told myself, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to, um, have help people who are quadriplegic or paraplegic walk. That was like the thing I was set on. Um, when I found out the schooling that was involved in that, I was not, I'm not a school person. Like I did not do well in the educational system that changed, you know, he passed when I was, uh, I believe I was 10 years old. And so, um, that kind of, you know, fizzled out. But, um, the reason why I say that is I've always had an, uh, a yearning for helping others, supporting others. And then I got into, you know, the, the health realm with the direct sales and that was something else I can help others. And I'm, I wasn't a doctor, right? I can give them something that would change their lives and, and help them. And so I've always had, you know, I truly believe my reason for being here is to help others. Um, and so when I went through a, a really impactful training here in San Diego, um, it, it exposed a lot for me. Um, it was a lot, it was a, you know, four month process, you know, you've gone through it and, um, it, it opened up things for me that I didn't know were there as far as how I showed up in the world, what I meant to the world. That was one of the biggest things, like how small mm-hmm. I had been playing. And, wow. um, it was amazing. It, it changed my life. And after graduating that, I was like, Hey, I want to volunteer and come back and coach through this. Like I want to essentially do it again. Right. But <laughs> be coaching. Yeah. And so I did. And being able to witness firsthand other people's transformation, you know, from people coming into this course, like mad at the world, full of hate and fear and, um, and just pain, right? Pain. Uh, a great friend of mine is reading this book and she told me uh, a quote out of the book is everything is either an act of love or a cry for love. And I would, boom, right? Yeah, that's and heavy. So, I've never heard that. That's really cool. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so how many people do we know, how many homeless people, right, are crying for love? How many people that are struggling with themselves are crying for love? And yeah. so um, going through this program and seeing people break through their limiting beliefs, remove those masks and become mm-hmm. their their truest authentic selves, like the human being, right? And witnessing that, you can't put a dollar amount on that. You can't. And uh, so I coached in there and I was like, this is awesome. I want to do it again. I coached again. And then as I was coaching the second time, um, you know, as I started learning about leadership, as I, it's everything you learn in books, but you're actually moving through it in an experience. And mm-hmm. when I realized I could correlate it, oh, this is what I read in this book. Oh, this is what I yeah, heard this person yeah. say. And then I started implementing it and bringing, you know, my heart to other people so that I can support them in breaking through. That's when I felt like energy is a choice, right? Um, That's something that we've talked about and learned where before I used to think energy is not a choice. If I'm tired, I'm tired. If I'm not tired, I'm not tired. But when I was able to see someone's transformation and I knew it came from my questions or my coaching, 
it lit me up like I could spend the next 72 hours up wide awake because, yeah. and that's what truly mattered to me. That's how I found, you know, my, my Dharma, I guess is what you would call it, mm -hmm. my calling and that's supporting people. So, so yeah. And I'll, just to clarify too, for those listening, cause maybe if they hear, you know, energy is a choice. I know for me, it sounds so like, yeah, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Go, go screw yourself. Like if only you knew what I, how tired I was or what I was going yeah, through. So totally. to elaborate a little bit on that, it goes, it kind of ties back into the responsibility conversation. But when you say energy is a choice, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So let me ask you this. This is great. If someone's tired right now and listening, let's say you're tired, right? And you've had a long day. You maybe didn't sleep that well. And someone comes to you in person opens up a case and there's $4 million in there. Do you think you're still going to be tired? Do you think you're going to be pretty excited and pretty lit up? Oh, I'd be woke. Right? Who wouldn't, right? So at that moment, you have a decision and a choice to change your energy. And that's where you take responsibility, right? Um, that's, a, that's a big thing I've learned. You know, David Goggins is one of my biggest mentors right now. I love listening to him because sure, yeah. we underestimate what we're capable of as human beings and how we can shift things by our way of being. And if you're consistently tired and you're consistently struggling to gain energy, you know, yes, that can be a health thing, but more importantly, you're, you're getting away from your true authentic self. When you find something that lights up your soul, that creates energy. Come on. Yeah. I love it, dude. You're getting me pumped just thinking about <laughs> it. And, uh, I, I love this. I love this transition. This is the perfect segue into into purpose, right? Into living a purpose driven life. And this is something that I, I often contemplate. I often think about. And for me personally, I think my purpose has evolved, and it continues to evolve and shift and develop as I get clarity and purpose around that. Uh, however, I I know especially as men right? Men need a purpose. They need something to wake them up in the morning. They need a mission. They need an assignment. And, uh, I think this can apply for men and women, but I, I live in Solana beach, as you know, and, um, there's a, there's a beautiful mural in Solana beach off Cedros Avenue. And it says, you if you lose, once you lose your dreams, you lose your mind. Mm. Right. And I, I equate that to purpose, right? When you, when you lose sight of that, that why of that thing that's that you're on this earth for, and even if it's on this earth for this moment, right? Because we don't know what our, I don't think the purpose is this definite thing that's solid. It's written in stone. It's always changing and evolving. But what is that thing right here, right now that gets your, your blood boiling? It gets your, your soul fired up. When you start talking about it, you, you feel a shift in energy as you, as you described, Justin. And I think it's so important for men and women, um, every person to find what that is and to connect with that. Because as you described, it doesn't matter what the, the how or the what is, it's more so the, the why that drives you and, and what that purpose is. And once you find clarity on that vision, that purpose, man, you're, you're unstoppable. Yeah, totally. And, you know, one of the frustrating things, especially with the, your listeners, right? There's probably some people that are like, why can't I find that? Why isn't yeah. it coming to me? Sure. And my, my invitation to you, if that is a story that you have going on in your head is, are you being true and authentic to yourself? Because um, when we are true and authentic to ourself and trusting and listening to our intuition rather than yeah. thinking with our mind or monkey mind, that will allow opportunities to come and, and come into fruition when you're following, when you're trusting, when you're um, leaning mm -hmm. into discomfort. So right. if you're struggling with finding out what it is, one, you're not going to find it by searching. 
you're going to find it by being, you know, it's like when people mm. talk about relationships, if you're out there, like trying to, to force a relationship, you know, something I love yeah. doing with my, my clients and my students is, you know, if you make a fist right now, make a fist. And if you're listening, make a fist. And I want you to squeeze as hard as you can. Tighter, tighter, tighter. Now release. And what are you feeling right now, James? I feel uh, a relief. Yeah. And, and what's possible when we have our hand open? Anything. Anything, right? And so Anything many and of everything, us, yeah. Yeah, and so many of us have our fists closed like, I'm going to find this woman. I'm going to find this <laughs> man. I'm going to make right. this business work. And that was me for so long. I was like hitting my head against the, the wall because I was trying to force things whether, r- rather than allowing and trusting. And I didn't have the trust in myself. So there's no way in heck I'm going to have trust in anything else. And 100%. So, yeah. 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 I love that. I love that analogy too with, with the, the squeezing your fist. It's a great way to, uh, to really physiologically kind of feel that concept and get that concept because it's, it's so true. I've experienced that thing. And I think being in sales, all my sales guys listening or you, Justin can relate to this. Um, being, being in sales is, is one of the biggest personal development tools just alone, just being in a sales job because you're constantly coming up against your own, uh, your own limiting beliefs. You're constantly coming up against challenges and you're having to look at yourself in the mirror every single day. And it's impossible to, to grow as a salesman without growing as an individual mm. and vice versa. Yeah. And so, um, with, with sales, you know, what I notice on a, on a, it comes in ebbs and flows is on the, and we've talked about this many times is on the days that I have that commission breath, so to speak, or I'm, I'm coming from a place of scarcity of lack of that squeezing my fist, Mm. desperately looking for, for a sale. Um, I am literally actually pushing those things away. I'm resisting them and I'm bringing that energy in each and every interaction, right? I'm no longer looking at an opportunity to give, but rather to take, and, um, I don't know about you, but I've had calls where I, I know when people want something from me and they're trying to take from me and I don't want anything to do with them. But uh, on the contrary, when you, when we come from that place of just, Hey, you know what? Surrendering. And, uh, for me, it's, it's having faith, call it God, call it the universe, um, having faith that there's something out there that has your best interest in mind. Life is working for you rather than, uh, than, than happening to you, man. It's, it's a great place to come from. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the biggest shifts I had in my life, um, was when I started to, you know, one of my favorite, uh, ideas by, um, uh, chicken soup for the teenage soul or chicken soup for the soul. Jack Canfield. 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 E plus R equals O your events plus your response equals your outcome. Now you can have an event, right? Yeah. And say you get in a car accident and this is where, you know, all things are neutral. And some people might be like, no, they're not, right? But here's something. When 9-11 happened, were there people that were really sad? Of course. Were there people that celebrated? Yes. Same event, two completely different reactions, right? So it's how we interpret that. It's how we respond. So E plus R equals O, our event, we can get in a car accident. We can get out of that car. What the heck? You cut me off. Like, I'm going to sue you. Like all this other stuff. You could be really angry, right? And you're going to get a certain type of outcome. Or you have the same event and you go, hey, are you okay? Do you need to know? let anyone else know that you've been in a car accident? Thank God we're alive. Yeah. How can I support you right now? Mm. You're going to have a totally different outcome, right? And so what would this, my question for everyone listening is, what would this world look like if we chose those type of outcomes? 
if we chose an outcome that was coming from our heart rather than our head, taking away the emotion and really, you know, taking a breath, really understanding like what just happened, right? And and looking out for each other by looking out for ourselves. And when I started understanding that life was happening for me, I, I turned it into a game, you know? So um, finances have been a really difficult thing for me. Mm-hmm. And finances are t- tied to self-worth, right? Your your net worth is your self-worth. 100%. Um, and when you believe that you're worthy of it, you'll hold on to that money. Well, the, for the longest time, my self-worth was negative. And so was my bank account. Um, you know, and rather than looking at that as like, woe is me taking the victim standpoint, I asked myself, what is life trying to teach me right now? What opportunity mm. do I have to grow? Okay, well, now that I got myself, you know, after college, I just raked up the credit cards. And so, oh, yeah. okay, what yep. what is life trying to teach me? Okay, it's trying to teach me how to properly maintain my credit cards and how to pay them off and what matters on a credit report, what doesn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, when it came to saving, okay, well, I didn't, I, my savings was crap. Okay. Well, what was life trying to teach me that I get to put my money away because I care about myself and I have that self-worth when it came to spending, you know, I'd make money and spend it, make money, spend it. What was life trying to tell me? Mm. I don't need external things to make me happy. So often, you know, we make a bunch of money and we go buy the watch, we go buy the car, we go buy, right, right. you know, a nice place, which don't get me wrong, like enjoy that. But what's the reason behind it? Right. And that's what I think matters most. It's what's the reasoning behind? Are you searching for external happiness? Right. Sure. And if you are, yeah. then I, I caution you and enjoy nice things too. Like, right. You, you get to have that experience, what makes you happy, but it's, it's not what only makes you happy. Um, so when I started to see and ask myself when things would happen, what is life trying to teach me? You know, if, for example, curiosity, right? Curiosity. Yeah. And that's something, you know, I love doing now. And I I think I've mentioned this to you before, something that I've been harping and getting on. It's like, I just kind of, it hit me a couple months ago was I began to get curious first critical where before I would beat myself up like, Oh my gosh, Justin, Mm -hmm. here you go again. You're doing it again. Mm-hmm. Oh, you did the same thing over again. You know, you're a POS just doing the same, same stuff. And what I realized is rather than being critical on myself, I could be curious. Why are mm-hmm. you doing that, Justin? What's mm-hmm. missing? Why aren't you happy? Right. And that opened up opportunity for me to grow. And once you grow, I, I kind of think of a, like a garden hose, right? If you have a garden hose and we've all had this at different times where there's maybe like a, a crease in it that ripped and wore it out and then water's mm-hmm. leaking out, you're not going to get as strong as a hose going or as strong as a pressure going through. And maybe there's a couple other holes. Well, you can do a couple of different things. You can, you know, buy some things and maybe tape over that hose, but are you really healing that hose? You know, that cut, or you can actually go back to that, that, that pain that you have, or that thing that you're learning or they're learning from and seal that hose and, and actually, heal that wound. And when you can mm. heal that wound, you can move through it. And that's yeah. one of the, the difficult things to do is going, as we talked about earlier, going inside of ourselves, yeah. seeing what that is that's blocking and healing that wound. And that's something that's completely uncomfortable. And that's right. why not a lot of us like to do it. But when you do it, it's completely liberating at the same time. Mm, so good, man. Yeah, that's a good analogy with the hose. I've never heard that. I really, that's a good visual. That's totally makes sense too. 
Yeah, what I was thinking too, I, I've heard uh, something about with when, when we have um, something that we, whether it's a mistake that we've made, right? Or we have uh, some trauma or some, some behavior where we're able to look at ourselves objectively and say, okay, maybe I didn't handle this the right way. Or maybe, hey, I have these belief systems that, that aren't in, a, aren't in alignment with the man that I want to be or the woman that I want to be. Instead of being hypercritical versus ourselves, right? Which is, I think, our human nature is to to judge and condemn ourselves. Yeah. What the heck's wrong with you, Justin? The heck's wrong with you, James? An analogy that one of my mentors told me is, you know, if you have somebody that goes into an emergency room and they have a broken leg, right? The nurse, you come in, they see that your leg's split in half. The nurse isn't going to go, "What the hell is wrong with you, Justin?" They're mm-hmm. going to say, "No, what happened?" Right? So when we come at a, mm-hmm. if we look at every single thing in our lives as, because when we come to this world, we're perfect beings we're perfect children we we don't have flaws we're, we're just our authentic shining selves but over time these nicks and these as you mentioned with the hose these nicks and these cuts will happen and then you know we'll put up a wall here we'll put up a a, a mask there we'll start building these defense mechanisms and these constructs of of our ego so i love that mentality when we find ourselves right the ego is going to be there it's going to come up but as opposed to saying what the hell is wrong with you man get out of here say hmm what happened? Where did that come from? And it's such a such an easier way to unpack um, our own personal development as opposed to immediately, you know, condemning ourselves, shitting on ourselves, and saying what the hell is wrong with you? It's like, no, man, where did that come from? Because it had to come from somewhere, right? I wasn't born with this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there's obviously a belief system, a pattern that I built nine times out of ten to defend myself. But then realizing, hey, I'm safe now, right? I don't have anything. There's no monsters around. I don't need to defend. You know, my my stepdad, my that bully in high school, they're no longer here. So I can take that down. I'm okay now. Right. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about that too, when you take responsibility, right. Versus the victim mentality, like I could totally mm-hmm. take responsibility if I wanted, or I mean, excuse me, the victim mentality with what happened to sure. me in my upbringing. Right. Mm-hmm. Dad wasn't there. Mom was drug addict, alcoholic, et cetera. Like, woe is me. I'm going to drink. I'm going to be sad. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Or I can say, Wow. What a blessing. What a blessing that God, universe, whatever your higher belief is, gave me this opportunity to see and grow from something I didn't want. You know, I'm just, right now, I just, I'm a dog dad. I don't have any kids. Main reason Uh being is my father had me way too young when he hadn't dealt with himself and hadn't set himself up for success. So I get to make sure that when I have a kid, I am, I have released those wounds. I have built something that I'm proud of and successful um, and I have successful as, as in I've dealt with the things I needed to deal with and I've set myself up to have a child, right? Mm-hmm. And it's only because I had, I didn't have a father that I think that way. So my question is, did that happen to me or did that happen actually for me? Mm-hmm. You know, if I didn't have all the pain that I did have from my mother and from, you know, the, the upbringing I had, I probably wouldn't have gone into personal development, right? I wouldn't have gone into coaching because I wouldn't have had the pain to move through. So actually those are the best things that happened to me. And when you can look back and find the benefits in something that maybe is, uh, you don't see as a benefit, you see as something that held you back that happened to you. When Mm. you can find the benefits in that, that's, that's where all the meat and potatoes is that's where everything is right there that's your dharma that's the reason why you're here that pain only is making you stronger you know i love the tony robbins documentary on netflix i'm not your guru 
there's a woman on there like extremely extreme, like, oh my gosh, what was done with her to her was, uh, it shouldn't be done to any human. But Tony goes, because you went through that, you now have the strength to help so many other people. Mm-hmm. Tony Robbins is only Tony Robbins because of the way his mom was to him. Very similar to the way my mom was, right? But that gave him power. And that gave him the opportunity to shift his perspective to help others. He wouldn't be the man that he is causing, creating transformation if that didn't happen to him. So sure. did that happen to mm. him or for him, right? Yeah. Man, I love that too. And that's that ties perfectly into what I wanted to wrap this up with, which is current right here where we're at today. It's, uh, what is it? The 21st of November, 2020. And um, you hear this thing that, yeah, I hear this thing that's being tossed around 2020 this, 2020 that. It's the craziest year ever. And there's, I don't think anyone could argue that it's been a very adventurous year <laughs> and a very, very wild year to say the least. But it's so funny that you mentioned that too, because I, I was having this conversation with DJ, um, our CEO, a few a few days ago in our, our little gratitude uh, huddle, and I said I'm I'm grateful for adversity, and I'm I'm honestly I'm so grateful for 2020, right? Because adversity, the only way that we can grow, the only way that we can become a better version of ourselves is we have to put ourselves through what I call the refiner's fire, right? We have to put ourselves in a, in a position of stress. We have to go somewhere that we've never been. We have to do something that we've never done mm. to become better. And sometimes we do that intentionally. A lot of times it's life circumstances. It's, uh, it's struggles, it's, it's adversity, it's hardships that cultivate us. And as you described, they build that resilience and they turn us into better human beings, um, if we, if we choose to see it as that way. So with, with right now, it's such a crazy time and so many people are, are seeing the doom and gloom of, of 2020, but I think you can relate to this. I see so much possibility and I see so much optimism because I'm thinking, man, if we can make it through this year together, collectively, think about how much more strong, how much more resourceful, how much more wise we're going to be moving into the coming years. Totally. Look, it comes down to a decision, right? And it's what right. we make of it. So I know some people they've struggled in 2020. I know other people, they've literally had their best uh, year in business. They've created uh, incredible relationships. They've found out more about themselves, you know, so it's what you make of it, you know, similar to my story coming here to Hawaii. I could have been staying in that, that gloom of like, oh, there's like, I'm literally like, I can probably maybe throw a baseball (laughs) to the beach right now and I can't go to it. And I can sit here and be, woe is me. Or I can say, wow, I'm so blessed to have this view, right? Yeah. So what I invite you to do if, if, if you're struggling right now, and there's, don't get me wrong, there is complete reason to be struggling. And that's right there is, as human beings, we're always looking for the easiest way to do things, right? Mm-hmm. That's, yep. that's how we have evolved. And especially now in the day and age, everything's instant gratification, right? We've, we develop things to enhance our life and make it better. But when we do that, we get away from the difficult things that cause us to feel uncomfortable, right? Such as being at home with our families. Mm. Like how many people, they were so uh, dependent on being busy that they forgot how to connect with other people. You know, how many other people, um, maybe when it comes to the health, right? Neglected their health. And now they're like, wow, I really get to work on my health because there's some scary stuff going around to where if I catch this, given where I'm at with my health, it could be detrimental, right? Or there's some other people like, hey, I was maybe being a little bit too comfortable with my business and now I get to shift. 
100%. And when you realize that, again, going back to it, ask yourself, get curious, how is this happening for me? What am I learning? What is life trying to teach me? Maybe you're not learning it yet, but ask yourself, what is life trying to teach me? What do I get to learn from this so that I can come into this new year, 2021, ready to rock, right? We've, yeah. the, the reason why we human beings are where we're at is where we're at is because we have faced that adversity and moved through it. And to be honest, we're completely like each generation naturally will get softer and softer. Mm. It makes sense because life mm-hmm. is only becoming easier, right? It, we don't have to get on the Mayflower and cruise, you know, over a couple months to get to Europe, right? We hop on a plane, <laughs> right? First class, have some drinks, get over there. So it's the, the, the pain and the difficulty is not there anymore. So that's why, you know, me personally, I do different things with myself when I find myself getting too comfortable. All right, Justin, you're waking up at 430. All right, Justin, mm-hmm. you're taking cold showers. All right, Justin, we're going to go for a run. And even though you're only used to running maybe like two or three miles, we're going to go for 10. Mm. Why? Because I get to, I get to lean into that discomfort because if you, if you allow that comfort to continue to come and continue to be in that comfort, you're, you're just setting yourself up for something really bad to happen. Right. And, uh, I just want to land this one point real quick. I remember somebody was telling me, you know, life will, I I like to, when I'm coaching people, when it comes to health, you know, when we're working with our, our, our customer, Mm -hmm. we have check engine lights, right? If you have, uh, you know, acne coming up, maybe that's a check engine light with like, how is your liver doing? How is the food that you're eating? Or if you have diabetes, that's a check engine light. We get to look and see what's underneath the hood, what's going on and fix it. Well, life will throw little feathers at you. Try and get your attention. And, you know, we can go to, to health and maybe that feather is you have acid reflux one day, right? It's like, oh, not a big deal. I'll just take a Tums and just ignore it. And then life will start throwing pebbles at you. You know, maybe that acid reflux comes into like, now it's just every day, you know, and the pebbles are getting stronger and stronger. And then all of a sudden it's a brick because you're not listening. So life was like, all right, I'm really going to make sure that they hear me this time. Throws a brick at you. And now mm. maybe all of a sudden you go in because you're having chest pain, right? And the doctor's like, oh, here's some, you know, medication to take away your pain. Here's some, uh, you know, antiacids so that you don't feel that acid going up there. And, but you're not listening to that brick. And then all of a sudden you get hit with an 18 wheeler and you find out that all that acid that's been building up inside your esophagus and has been burning you and you have some type of cancer, let's say, and mm-hmm. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not saying this is what happens or anything like that, but I'm saying, what I'm saying is life will continue to give you those little hints of, Hey, let's listen to what I'm trying to teach you right now. And if we completely to completely ignore it and keep it away, we are allowing, um, some, some bad things to happen to us rather than for us. So that's where it goes on taking responsibility. If you listen to that feather, that pebble and you take responsibility, Hey, I'm going to check and see why I'm getting this acid reflux or Mm. I'm going to check and see why my bank account is where it's at rather than just ignoring it. Right. Then you can do something about it when you take that responsibility. So, um, find out how life's happening for you. Uh, get curious versus critical and take responsibility. That's, you know, a couple of tips that, that have helped me get through this year. And I see this entire year as a blessing because it's exposed, exposed so many things. I mean, think of how many people have come together. We had literally people in like different countries marching mm-hmm. for yeah. uh, different people of different ethnicities and different color. Like how incredible is that? You know, when this whole COVID yeah. thing started, we had trainers uh, doing exercise routines outside of like apartments and so <laughs> right yeah beautiful about this whole covid thing happening it's not about a country right it's not about other countries it's about us as humanity 
coming together and figuring out how do we work through this? How do we figure this out? How do we move forward rather than kind of it being separate? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Beautiful, man. And I want to, I want to tie it up with this last point because we, we covered a lot of good ground today, a lot of taking radical responsibility, right? And I think there's something very key uh, and very important to self-worth. Intrinsically, we are all, you know, we have an innate worth, again, which in my belief, I am a child of God. So that is my innate worth that is unchangeable. However, I do also believe that we as human beings, and this ties back into the adversity thing, especially nowadays, we very much get uh, from from competence comes confidence, right? Mm, so yeah. for us to feel confident in ourselves and to develop self-worth, it actually requires us to, um, to do certain things. And, um, you know, there's, there's that dichotomy of like, you know, be, do, have, which, you know, you be something, then you do it, then you have it, which I wholeheartedly agree with. I also wholeheartedly agree with there's certain things that we need to do to feel worthy, right? And to feel confident in ourselves. And that could be getting up at 4.30 a.m. That could be taking that cold shower, Right. As you described back in the day, we didn't, there wasn't a choice. You had to get up, you had to go get your food yep. or you weren't going to eat. Mm-hmm. Now we have so many choices. We live in an overabundance that we actually have to go out and put ourselves intentionally in uncomfortable situations to feel that sense of drive and, and confidence and purpose and, and worth that was, uh, that almost came without even thinking about it, you know, just a hundred years ago. Yeah. So I just wanted to really drive that home. 75 hard was another really great example that you and I both went through. And for those of you listening that don't know about 75 hard, it is essentially, it's a challenge that, um, there's a lot of physical grit, um, and a physicality to it, you know, two workouts a day. Um, I, I blanked on, I just yeah, did on it. a water um, a day, 10 gallons, pages of yeah. a book, stick yeah. to one meal, no, no cheap meals, no alcohol. No cheap meals. That was the yeah, longest I'd ever pick. gone to, uh, you know, I don't drink as much alcohol, but that was the longest I've gone without alcohol, which was kind of crazy mm-hmm. for me. Um, you know, it, it, there was times I just wanted like one drink, but no, you know, one glass of wine. No. Right. <laughs> and that discomfort. Yeah, exactly. And you, that discomfort day in and day out for 75 days straight, no compromise, right? And the purpose behind that, the, the founder, Andy Frizzella created that as not so much a physical uh, fitness challenge, but more so a mental fortitude challenge, right? Of developing the discipline, the consistency, the rigor um, to execute on a daily basis. Because we, we, like you said, we lived in a society where we, we very much become soft in the sense that, you know, we, we have been so conditioned to be comfortable 24 seven, that the second any kind of discomfort presents itself, we're like, nah, man, I'm not doing that. That's, that's yeah. discomfortable. Yeah. So the, the benefits that come with intentionally putting ourselves in uh discomfortable, uncomfortable situations, we can apply that to every area of our life. Mm-hmm. When things get, when things get to uncomfortable, I've even had times where I look back and I'm, I find myself kind of being a victim where I'm like, I'm tired. I'm like, dude, you went through 75 hard, bro. You've done, you've <laughs> gone through so much. Like, this is nothing. Come on. I'm like, yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> So I love it, man. And it reminds me, the point that I was getting to that with that was um, one of the fastest for those listening too, because I know where I know the feeling of you know you you know you want to be a better person, you know you want something more than what you have, and maybe you're just starting. One of the best ways, and something that someone taught me, they said, James, if you wanna you want to start to build confidence, you want to start to feel better about yourself, make your bed in the morning. Start with that. Yeah. And I was like, man, well, 
make your bed. What am I five? And, and I didn't really get the concept of it, but the concept is you're, you're giving, you're making a word to yourself and you're not breaking it. One of the fastest ways that we build self-esteem is we honor our word. We tell ourselves that we're going to do something and we do it. It could be making our bed. Uh, maybe we can go up to brushing our teeth, but the power Hopefully we're of, brushing our teeth. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> <laughs> you'd be surprised. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the, the intention behind that is when we break our word to ourselves, we are chipping away at our mm, self-worth. Yeah. And I say that because you and I both know, Justin, I was, I'm a recovering people pleaser. So I would overcommit myself. Oh, yeah. I tell people I would do things and then I would break my word and I'd back out. And then that would make me more of a people pleaser. And the point being is that when we, when we honor our commitment, if we say, Hey, you know, I'm going to the gym tomorrow, whether I feel like it or not, you're going to feel better. You're going to build confidence over time. Yeah. And I love how you made that point of just making your bed, you know, cause that's something that I've done too. Um, and it's crazy. I mean, even staying here, there's no reason to make the bed. No one else is coming in here, but I still make mm -hmm. my bed cause it's just like a natural habit. Right. So sure. There's different options. Like maybe the 75 hard isn't for everyone, right? right. Maybe yeah. you get to build up that self-confidence. So something that, you know, I work with my clients and my customers is, Let's do micro habits. Let's do micro mm -hmm. things. So maybe you haven't exercised in like a couple months or a couple years. Do five push-ups. Do five sit-ups every day. Maybe one. Maybe you haven't like been with yourself or in silence. Take one minute a day and just sit in silence. Maybe you haven't read a book. You haven't picked up a book since high school or college. Read one page a day. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you can read more and do more, but commit to one. Build that foundation for your house without trying to, you know, just put up the walls without having the foundation down. And that's where a lot of us, the foundation will be rocky, right? Because we haven't built that, that confidence. But when we right. build that solid foundation and we prove to ourselves, hey, I said I was going to do this and I did it. And you build those micro workouts, those micro habits. That's where you build that foundation and you can build that house. So it's solid. Dude, 100%. And I, um, I want to end it with this, Justin, you, uh, I know you're, you're up to a lot of things. I'm, I'm constantly curious, inspired, encouraged by uh, how you continuously throw yourself willingly into the fire, so to speak. You're always just going after it with your business, with coaching, personal development. What are what are you most excited about right now with, with your current endeavors? Yeah, um, right now I'm really excited about my coaching. I have a program coming out this new year um, that I'm really excited about. And it's really uh, very similar to everything that we talked about today. And, you know, continue to just go down that coaching realm, wherever that takes me. Maybe uh, I, I go into speaking, you know, I'm really excited to continue doing these podcasts, starting my own podcast myself. Got a couple of episodes that I'm recording while I'm here in Hawaii and, um, awesome, man. putting myself out there, you know, so I'm just excited to, to support people in whatever way that looks. Um, so reach out, you know, I'm more than happy to, uh, to support. Yeah. And where can they reach out? Where can our, our listeners find you, man? Yeah. Social? So for right now, social would be the best, uh, Justin Michael on, on Facebook. Um, and then Justin dot cross carry on Instagram. Uh, if you go to my Instagram, that's where I usually post things. I have taken a little bit of a break. Um, but I will be posting a lot more now and, uh, I'll also be having my website that will be on there pretty soon. And that's where I'll have uh, a couple different products on there, whether it be, um, some challenges or, um, even thinking about some, uh, inner child meditations as well. Cause that's mm -hmm. done wonders for me. So, um, there'll definitely be something coming out and then also my podcast. So awesome, man. I'm excited for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, 
Dude, thanks. Thank you so much uh, for coming on, for taking your time to to be on the comment thread, man. As you described in the beginning, this has been long overdue and I definitely foresee uh, more of these and hopefully uh, have the opportunity to go on your show. But um, man, I always like to try to try to end it with one, uh, one spontaneous question. And for me, it always somehow comes back to, to the topic of gratitude. But what would you say you're, you're grateful for today, man? Yeah. I mean, just given what we just spoke about, I'm grateful for adversity and the lessons that life has given me the opportunity to learn from. There you have it. Adversity. Mm. Such a powerful teacher. Yeah. Well, awesome, brother. Um, I hope you have a safe uh, and incredible trip out there in Hawaii, brother. And um, I look forward to uh, connecting here when you get back. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. All right, brother. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.